There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sneakers and Cleats, the podcast. For me, it's unimaginable, and that's not an attempt to be humble. This is unimaginable. What the hell am I doing here? How could this happen? Uh, it's, it's hard to de- describe. The little Frenchie, a little guy from Argentina, and a swimmer from the islands. Who knew? We won four championships together, and it was an honor to play with you guys. Even when the mission seems impossible, have the mindset that is unshakable and immovable. Just because someone says it's never been done or that it's impossible to be done. I'm telling you, I'm standing here. I'm not supposed to be here. This is not anything I could have ever dreamt. But after I did everything that I possibly could do on my own, I know that God took what I thought was impossible and made it possible. What a night at the Hall of Fame on Saturday. Great weekend of Hall of Fame stuff with Greg Popovich, Tony Parker, Becky Hammond going in, numerous other legends, Dwayne Wade, my personal hero, but we'll leave that aside for now. Myself and the guys here to break it all down for you. Don, you get any sleep yet? I know you were in Springfield, Mass, so. Yeah, I got a little on the plane. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm all caught up. It's all good, man. It's all good. How was the weekend? It was fantastic. We had great weather. It was like 80 degrees was the high. It was sunny. Have you never been up there to, to Connecticut? You ever been to Connecticut, Chuck? I have cousins that yeah. live there, yes. I haven't been up there in a while, though. They yeah. live right just outside of New York City. It is. It's fantastic, right? The Beautiful. Trees, trees rolling houses hills. Houses spread out. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, near Springfield, actually, the, uh, most of the weekend's held at the Mohegan Sun, which is mm-hmm. over in, uh, in Connecticut like 45 minutes south of there right yeah 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 and it's closer to to the water and there's just these everything you want to see you know the waterfalls and the farms and the and the windmills and, and there's beaches and it's really pretty country but the weekend was fantastic the first two days were there at the mohegan sun there were press conferences and parties and stuff and then saturday of course the induction ceremony and the red carpet was better than it's ever been we got to talk to a lot of different kind of people sorry to but, interrupt you real quick breaking news zach martin has reached a deal with the cowboys New deal will pay him north of $18 million in each of the next two years. Martin was scheduled to be at around $13.5 million this year, 14 next year. So it's an additional $8.5 million plus. Both sides have agreed to the deal per Adam Schefter. All right. So Zach Jerry wins. Caves again. Jerry, Cra- Jerry yeah. Caves one more well, time. Historically, we've said it all week, right? <laughs> historically, Jerry has been the guy that's caved. Although I'll say with a caveat, I didn't think it would be this time. But once again... Put the pressure on Jerry. If you're a good player, you're going to get yours. And, and I think maybe that's after they broke down the backups uh, film from the Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably after, true. After the preseason, they were like, uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Zach's better Zach, you win. Yeah. I mean, what, they gave him $9 million essentially? So, Is there a new rule that you can't waive the six hundred grand that he that's lost? That's true. It's correct, he, yes. 
Okay. You can't waive that. Well, I'm sure he rolled that in. Right. <laughs> to the new deal. Well, I just want to, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. We're going to, let's do, finish some Hall of Fame stuff. But uh, anyway, let me welcome you all to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. I kind of just jumped right in. This is episode 15. It's Monday, August 14th. Joined by Chuck McAtinick, Don Harris, and myself, Matt Roy. We will have Hall of Fame stuff. We'll have Zach Martin. Didn't plan on Zach Martin, but you know. Love breaking news at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. Love that on a Monday. <laughs> Grateful for it. So we'll have Cowboys stuff, Cowboys preseason game. We were going to talk about the O line, but now we can really talk about the O line. So, quick reminder: you can download, rate, review, subscribe whenever you get your, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. Thank you for the support. Let's get right to it. Hall of Fame, Don. You were just kind of before, yeah, I, before yeah. I rudely interrupted you for some no, breaking no, news. Was How was great. the overall impressions of it? Overall impressions were fantastic. Very much a Spurs theme. It was a for, you know, what you didn't see behind the scenes. It was a reunion of Spurs family over the last twenty years. Anybody and everybody that we loved over the years, from PJ Carlissimo to James Borrego and Will Sevening and Vinny Del Negro and Avery Johnson and Steve Smith and on and on and on. These guys all turned out for pop and it was fantastic. Plus you got to talk to Ray Allen, the Spurs killer there from 2013. I did I get to get to 10 years later, tell Ray Allen that I thought he traveled. <laughs> he got a kick out of that, but he didn't, you know, well, there's a third step in there, but it depends on whether you, <laughs> I, I'm going to say he didn't, but can you imagine if they called that? They were never going to call can it. You imagine if he they actually the called that three? I just, I'll just say this after he caught the ball, there were three steps that hit the floor. And the rest is history. He, he, he thought it was. <laughs> sure he did. Now that you know the shots got in, they won the championship. Say, he, had, he had a lot of good things right. to say about San Antonio and his time here. He always loved to go over to Bamsey and take a bunch of jerseys and sign it for the wounded warriors. His parents were military people. Ray Allen's a good dude. All right, well, let's get to a little bit of the specifics. So this is a couple of sound bites from Pop that I really enjoyed, so we'll play a little bit of that real quick. For me, it's unimaginable. And that's not an attempt to be humble. This is unimaginable. My wife, Erin, of 42 years, uh, was our center of gravity. Uh, she was our rock and made everything worthwhile and meaningful. My son, Mickey, is here. My daughter, Jill, who has taken over the mantle and keeps us all on the straight and narrow, that's the first reason why I'm standing here. The second reason involves one word, so it's going to be quick. That's great, huh? One word, and that word is duh. Duh. And then they tried to shoo him off the stage, which was hilarious. Well, because that was about 20 minutes in, and everybody else <laughs> got 10. Yeah, him, it was him and Dwayne Wade both went for like 25 minutes, something like yeah, that. Yeah, they... they we knew D Wade was last, and he was going to go a long time. I was in the building, right? So I'm I'm kind of off to the side, in the balcony where I can see the stage to my left and see the rest of the entire hall. And on the wall, of the, the uh, on the balcony wall, there's about a 75 inch monitor with prompter, and everybody had teleprompter. And some speakers used word for word, some used kind of bullet points to move on to their next topic, and then another 50 inch television with 10 minutes as big as you could see. That counted down backwards, 949, whatever, seven minutes. When Tony Parker got to zero, he went for about another minute and a half. When Pop got up to speak, both monitors were black. <laughs> no clock, no prompter. 
he went off his note cards, and I guess he made a deal with Jerry Colangelo. Go as long as you want. So when he said, duh, and he walked over and shook all those guys' hands, Ahmad Rashad came out thinking it was over. And Pop's like, no, I'm not finished yet. He wanted to talk about those four guys. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. Chuck, for, so you've, uh, you've obviously covered them for a long time. You said something to me before we started recording. It's like the Pop's demeanor has kind of changed over time. It's like he seems a little bit more like loose now as opposed to like 25 years ago. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about just the fact that he threw out, you know, somebody asked, I guess when he was at the podium. Friday. You know, why are you still doing this? And he said the money. I mean, that never would have come out of his mouth 20 years ago. Never. And whether it was a joke or there's some truth to it, I mean, again, it's just weird to see how he's evolved in that way. And, you know, maybe it is just having a good time. But, you know, it was really nice of him, too, to, I think, single out and talk about his family, too, because I'm sure there's been a lot of sacrifices along the way. I mean, when you're career building, like we've all found, right, there's sacrifices that your family have to make for the good of the whole unit. You know, that this is how we eat. There are certain things that have to be done. So I think that was a pretty a pretty nice moment, and I'm sure his kids really enjoyed that a lot. You know, Mike Finger and I at Express News have been talking we did, about two years ago when the, I guess it was the preseason last year, when we went to, to the first day of training camp, and they actually handed out a sheet. It used to be a roster. Well, now it was a roster with pictures because we didn't know who anybody on the Spurs was other than, you know, Keldon, Devin, whatever. There's all these guys that we didn't know. We didn't know who... Julian Champagny was, you know, what he looked like or whatever. Pop got the same sheet and on the first day of training camp said, I need this sheet because I don't know who any of these guys are. Mm-hmm. And he joked, everybody laughed. And the money joke, like you're talking about, Finger and I were saying the, the more an older Pop gets, the more truth that there are in these jokes. And so even though he says, I don't know who these guys are, I don't watch tape, that's true. <laughs> and when he says, I came back, why do you keep coaching? Because of the money. That's true. Now, he does love it, and he does all that. But I joked with him after he said that money thing. I said, people thought you, you were joking about the money comment, but some of us know better that, you know, it's, it's a lot of truth to it. Because the guy has nothing to lose. He just had three 20-win seasons and doesn't get fired. So he's completely he has nothing. I mean, that's why he's loose, I think. It's like he's, he's climbed the hill. He's at the top. Job done. And now just kind of enjoy. Yeah, and I've said this before too. I mean, the closer you get to retirement age, the less that the quote unquote retiring looks to me. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your time? I mean, I don't think we should age shame anybody that wants to have, you know, keep their seat at the table or do whatever they want to do when it is they get to that age. I mean, some of this stuff looks infinitely uninteresting once you've gotten to a certain age. I mean, is that all you want to do is go play golf every day? And why are people trying to run him off? Why are people trying to run anybody off if they want to keep doing it and they're good at it? Well, also afterwards, he was like, I've waited a long time for this. I thought that that was also interesting when Ahmad Rashad did come out and try and like, you know, thought it was over. He's like, I've waited a long time for this. You can hold off. And I was just like, I mean, he's not wrong. He's he's literally put his name off for 10, 15 years. Now he could have gone in, what, after 07? Sure, sure, yeah. Never he, wanted to. He never wanted to until never, his guys went in. And I think there was some truth into the fact that he didn't find himself worthy. Like, Pop is really honest. Because I was, I remember, uh, I was here with Alvin, R.C., Pop, Ed Manning, when they were Larry Brown's assistants. And they all went off in different directions. And could Alvin Gentry be Pop if he had David Robinson and and uh, Tim Duncan? Could George Carl or Larry Brown be Pop if they had that kind of talent? Maybe I think George Carl got more out of anybody than out of his 
less talent than anybody who has ever coached. So Pop realizes the reason he's here has a lot to do with luck, but he did a lot of things right too, and he's responsible for so much, but he's like, how did this happen to me? Larry Brown chose me to be an assistant. We got David Robinson in the lottery, and then my first year as head coach, we get Tim Duncan in the lottery. Like, there's some humility in that, like, I wouldn't be here if things didn't fall into a perfect place yeah. alignment. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. It's it's now we're though at the point is it the the chicken or the egg, right? Which came first? Because now it is he coached a lot of Hall of Famers, right? Yeah. So you could say, you know, that one doesn't happen without the other. I I still don't know if one happens without the other. That's right. right. I mean, That's right. Because he built a program, right? Like Dean Smith, like guys like John Wooden. He built the most enviable program, which is a lot, you don't even use that word in professional athletics. He uses it all the time. And so there's a lot that he and RC did. They found Manu Ginobili with number 59. They found Tony Parker late in the draft. They taught Kawhi Leonard how to play. I mean, Kawhi couldn't shoot a lick when he got here. And so they did a lot right. So I think it was a combination of all those no things. I, I still, I hate that narrative though. It's like, who came first? Chicken or the egg? Whose who's most responsibility? Is it Brady or Belichick? Tim or Pop? It's like, neither would have done it without the other. I right. Think right. It's, if Tim isn't here, they don't win five championships. That's, I think we can all say that with no real remorse or, right. or, or any question. No I mean, question. If Manu isn't here, they probably don't win all five. They might have not been able to. If Tony's not here, they probably don't win all five. Maybe they all win some on their own. And maybe a couple of win. Maybe 07, they probably still win without Tony because that yeah. Cavs team really sucked. But And you can say that with everybody. Does Magic win all his without exactly. Kareem and Worthy? Exactly. You know, does, does, LeBron, does LeBron win too without Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade? Right. Does Wade win without Shaq or, or Pat Riley? It's, it's just like the collective unit. So I always hate that narrative whenever it comes up on in national media and national podcasts. I do think Michael wins without Phil. But he doesn't win without Scotty. He would have won with somebody. Maybe one. I mean, those guys. Maybe two. Yeah, I mean, that's a. Not six. That's a hard one to know because, you know, Phil won 11. He yeah. won a, yeah. He won a low with the Lakers, too. I mean, I. It's yeah, true. It's just, but it's Phil, just there's you can always. You make the argument that Phil chased superstars, too. Phil, Phil we went had, where, the, where you could win. David on Friday and I had the conversation of like him, Pat, and Phil, Pat, and Pop all have like different claims to fame. It's like Pat's good at everything. Like he was a good player. He's a good executive. He's a great coach. He's great at all of those things. And then you have Pop, who just built this culture and this enviable program, as you just said. And then you have uh, Phil, who just won 11 rings with three, three three-peats and a two-peat, almost had yeah. another three-peat. So they all have their, their different ways. Uh, another highlight of the evening was Becky Hammond's speech. Uh, you, didn't, you needed tissues for that one, really, because she, she was one of those people who kind of read off the prompter, it seemed like. Yeah. Um, but she had a very good and well-written speech. And the part I want to play for all of us right now is the part where she thanked Pop because uh, it kind of showed his impact on not just her, but on women in the profession. And what game. made this emotional was the visual of seeing Pop's face because that's not a face we normally see from him. Right. He, he kind of broke up a couple of times, he like was, quite yeah. a few times. I think that he actually really truly took in the moment, which I don't know if any of us knew he was going to do. This he, was the most emotional he was all night, even even more so than in his speech. Let's hear from that one real quick. You expect excellence and model how to become excellent in your everyday routine and how you go about your work. You spoke courage into me with a phone call as I was getting ready to coach that first summer league team in 2015. 
He said, just be you. You're going to be great. And you've texted me that. I don't even know if you know how many times you've actually texted me that. Just be you. Just be you. Just be you. And you've changed the trajectory of my life and of so many other girls and young women. Thank you. I love you. Just a great portion of that speech right there. And it, the impact that he's had on Becky is one thing, but the impact that Becky has had on the numerous other women who have wanted to play professional basketball, who have wanted to coach in professional basketball, whether that be in the women's game or the men's game, is, is unparalleled, and that all stems because she's from the pop tree. Every team in the NBA now has a video coordinator or a player development coach that's female. Every team. And that is a brand new phenomenon. And it all started with Becky. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty revolutionary. And the way that she spoke, or he spoke about her on Friday, he's like, I'm in love with her. She's just, she's perfect. She's fiery. She likes wine. She's sarcastic. That every time we're on a road trip, she wanted to sit right next to me. And honestly, I wanted to sit right next to her. I've never heard Pop speak so highly of anybody than he does of Becky Hammond. Yeah, has a big affinity for her. Yeah, I mean, it seems kind of silly now, right? That Why did it take so long? I mean, you're talking about a coach. It's not like they've got to go play, right? So you're not talking about anything that has to do with anything other than somebody that could teach somebody the game of basketball or augment what they already know at the professional level. So it's kind of cool that she was here to be able to do that and obviously Pop affording her that opportunity so that other people, too, get the message that we shouldn't be looking at certain things when it comes to qualifications for a job. And that was the that was the theme of the whole weekend from everybody you talked to, from Vinny Del Negro to every player is that from from load management to uh let's take the let's take the example everybody who ever won a championship before the Spurs had a banner in their arena that said world champions. The Spurs had so many guys from around the world on their team. They said, that's not right. That's, a sh that's an insult to Manu and Fabricio. So we're going to simply just change our banner to NBA champions. They looked at things like load management, like uh, analytics, like uh, that very small thing. Differently, I think Pop, partly because RC and Pop both have a progressive mindset that, that let's change new things that surround ourselves with really smart people. And that organization, they got everybody that's in that organization now that's in leadership is from Harvard or Stanford or somewhere. And so it, it was like Pop was, they won the finals in 05 against Detroit, scoring 70 points a game. And then D'Antoni comes in with seven seconds or left. Pop's like, we can't beat them unless we fight fire with fire. And he changed. And so they, they beat him 134, 132 knowing that Tony and Manu could run that kind of same stuff. So he's always been able to adapt, change, look forward, and try, not on purpose to be revolutionary, but why not? And, and he saw a star in Becky, and it's just one of the many things that, that Pop and RC have kind of revolutionized the game, and it's just a league-wide, too. That's another thing. You saw everybody from every franchise that was represented there how many Spurs influences are in every front office and on every bench, behind every bench? Well, if you just, just all across the league, you look at the entire class. It was like every single person had a Spurs connection. Whether it's Pau Gasol played here for two and a half years and played against Pop every year for sixteen years or whatever his career was, Dirk 
was basically the main rival to the Spurs over that time, except for the Lakers. Then you have Dwayne Wade, who was linked from the 13-14 championships and and played for Team USA. Yeah, and I thought, real quick, I'm sorry to talk so much, but I thought Powell's speech, when Powell talked about his time with the Spurs, he had one of the greatest little parts of his speech. He said, I came to San Antonio, learned a bunch of new things. He goes, one thing I took away from San Antonio was on Valentine's one day, on Valentine's, Pop was in the locker room. He said, how many of you guys bought flowers for your significant others? And, you know, half the team raised their hand. And he said, why do you wait till Valentine's Day? <laughs> he goes, why don't you, why do you have to have a Valentine's Day to buy flowers for your wife? Like, do it more often. Yeah. The last part of Pop's speech uh, at the end, too, where he was like, the, the wins are crap, but it's the relationships that you build. I feel like that's not just basketball. That's just, that's everything. It's like, it. What matters is the is this is the human sure. is the human connection. This podcast won't mean anything in twenty years, but at least I got to I can relish you know spending time with you guys, learning about oh. you, being able to talk, being able to talk sports. We won't but be it, here in twenty years. <laughs> if I'm sitting at this table in twenty years, somebody come and, give me the hook. And that's the that's probably the the crappy part of pro sports, right? Is that do you get to have those relationships unless you have those kind of wins? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't win while you're building these relationships, then unfortunately they're gonna turn and pivot pretty quickly so that's fair when you when you want to damper the mood Chuck. that franchise has that's uh right you know i, I think rich Kotite has those has right, those memories right. with the old jets <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> let's uh let's hear from tony as well i thought tony's speech was actually really eloquently put and he had a he had a good mix of like sappiness and emotion and then and humor. and humor he had a lot of humor in there we'll play the humor in a second but let's hear the what i thought was just the bite that that should be played over and over when it comes to tony's speech my, my journey started with a, a big dream. I wanted to dream big. And uh, I wanted to go in the NBA, and I wanted to become the first European point guard to make it in the NBA. And uh, I always tell my kids, dream big. And when you say your dream to somebody, and he's not laughing at you, you don't dream big enough. When I was in France, they would always say, oh, you're too small, you're too skinny, you will never make it. But I'm the one who's laughing now. <laughs> I mean... Just that 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 mindset is incredible, especially when you have Pop trying to beat it out of you every day. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I remember Danny Green telling me, "He goes, nobody took more crap from Pop than me no and Tony Parker." That, and he took it all. You know, we talked about this last week. He could have left, could have gone to Denver, could have cashed in, could have taken the money. And his dad so eloquently saying, "It was like it's not about that with him. He wants to win, and he knows these guys, this group, this coach." Is this organization is going to give him the best opportunity to win. And at the end of this, when they've won like they have, this is what happens. You've got guys that turn into Hall of Famers. Would they have been Hall of Famers if they had gone to Denver and played somewhere else at the end of their career? Or if they had gone to Orlando early in their career? Would that have happened? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, we're never, we're never going to know. But when you win at the magnitude and on the reg as much as these guys did, then somebody's got to get the credit. It may as well be these guys. And think about this. And I talked to Jason Kidd. In fact, I asked Jason Kidd this question. I said, is Tony Parker a Hall of Famer if you decide to come here in the summer of 05? For Tony to have that almost public humiliation of Tim and Pop actively recruiting Jason Kidd to come be their point guard, and for him to stay after that and become the finals MVP two years later in 07 and whatever, I mean, that's that's a kick in the gut. That's to your pride. right? And so he took a lot of that 
in addition to a lot Dude, of and, curse and words from Pop. Along the same lines, I thought that was a brilliant question because at the end of it, it almost sounded like Jason Kidd had buyer's remorse for not coming Totally. Here. How does his career look? Like, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. There's no question. And I think he got in a couple of years ago. So, you know, but does Jason Kidd in the entire basketball spectrum, is he elevated even that much more if he's a part of two or three? The, sen- the sense is from the outside, and I told David this on Friday, is that like Tony was always like the black sheep. He was always the third one. He was yeah. always he was always behind Manu and Tim in the pecking order. There's no one ever talked about replacing Manu or Tim or Pop. They always just talked about replacing Tony, no matter what he did. And then I, I kind of wonder when that disrespectful feeling that he probably had after 05 went away. There was no question it was gone after he won the finals MVP of 07. He yeah. was the best player in 07. He was yeah. awful at 03. I mean, let's face it. I mean, Speedy Claxton finished that series. And Pop was still on Tony. Of course, that was his second year. And it took a few years of him taking, you know, he had this scoring mindset. And Pop was like, your ball's job is to get the ball to Tim Duncan and not be a scorer. But Pop is the one who changed because they had to have Tony score if they were going to go to that seven seconds or less mentality to score. And so that's as much Pop evolving as it much, you know, going towards Tony's side than Tony going to do what Papa exactly wanted him to do early on in his career. I thought that this part from Tony was hilarious when he was talking about Tim. So My, my rookie year, Timmy didn't talk to me my rookie year. And people think I'm crazy when I say that, but it's true. Timmy don't like French people. Okay? He doesn't like my French accent. <laughs> just a good little little zinger in there <laughs> did tim talk to anybody his first year though right no i mean <laughs> I, I remember tim saying you know when tony came around like and avery avery had left but avery had a great soundbite back in those days saying dad they got a boy a little boy to do a man's job and that's how that's how tim felt about it like you're given the because antonio daniels was his best friend at the time, and he was a starting point guard. And five games into that season, into Tony's rookie season, Pop handed him the keys to the car, and Tim did not like it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what? Who is this kid? Who the, God, you know, he, he didn't. He, he turns it over. He's trying to score all the time. He's not doing what we want him to do. I don't know that Tim didn't like Tony, but I believe that he didn't talk to him very much. Yeah, but he also, <laughs> like, Manu was the was the king of making either the best player or the worst player on the sure, court. So sure. I, I wonder why it was why it was like that. It was it was a little it seemed a little bit more adversarial with Tony than it was with Manu. I think it was because of the because of the you know, he's the point guard. And mm-hmm. you, and and Tim had come up with Avery as the captain in 99, 97, 98, 99. Avery was the captain. He wasn't best player, but he was the boss because David Robinson deferred to to Avery. So Tim was used to a strong point guard who I can listen to, who's going to tell me, and I, I he's my leader. In other words, Tim wasn't like, I'm the leader. He's like, he's my leader. And so when Tony came in, it was like, he's not my leader because <laughs> this kid's 19. Who, who I can't trust this kid. And so there, it, there was an adjustment period. I don't know if I'd want to play with Tim. He seems scary. Just to look at you. Just oh, don't look at me, please. Um, so let's just let's put a bow on Hall of Fame weekend. Wrap it up here at the thirty-minute mark. We'll get into some Zach Martin right now too. So overall, I thought the class was amazing. I thought that the Hall of Fame was amazing. But I do have one question for you guys. We've you've now been to the Hall of Fame three years in a row. One, 21, 22, 23. Who's next? 
R.C. Buford. That's a good one. I hadn't thought about that. Yep, deservedly so. He, there's nobody else that could possibly be in. Kawhi? He's not a spur. <laughs> He's not a spur. What do you mean he's not a spur? Yeah, he won a championship. He here, won a championship and a finals yeah. MVP with the U.S. Kawhi will be a Hall of Famer. He's got two finals MVPs. Exactly. There will be no one from San Antonio show up. <laughs> I guarantee you that. So when do you think RC goes in? You think it's going to be next year just to keep no, this game no, thing no. rolling? <laughs> no, I, but I think there will be some, with Pop's relationship with Jerry Colangelo and Jerry Colangelo, uh, and with RC's, I mean, let's give RC some credit. Um, with the culture and the program that they built together over those years, I mean, there's guys like Rod Thorne and Jerry Krause and people like that in that I think you could make the argument that the Spurs' 25-year run was better or as good as anything anybody's ever done in this league. And so there's plenty of other general managers that are in that you could make the argument did not do what RC did. So I think he gets in. Well said. I think RC will get in, Kawhi will get in, and then um, hopefully Wemby. Um, so let's talk about the Cowboys. Bre- obviously, we had breaking news right off the top of this stuff. Uh, Adam Schefter reporting that Zach Martin is back. He has been fined approximately a million dollars that he can't get back. Um, he he just be- got it back. Well, he made <laughs> no. he, he he gave up a million for eight. So I guess he got it. He, he'll get it the next two years. But what what are your you know, you said it right off the top. That means that Jerry caved again. So what were you expecting that? No. Nope. I mean, we we talked last week nope. that we thought this was going to the season. I, I I did. I mean, I thought this was gonna go some way other than the way it just did, but I guess trust your first instincts, right? Jerry usually is the guy that caves. And once again, you know, it's good. I'm glad they were able to work it out. I guess I guess at the end. I mean, the Cowboys are obviously infinitely better with Zach and he's gonna get his money too, so Good on him for Jerry being able to find a way to build a bridge as opposed, as opposed to burn it and, down. And I do think it's, it's just another sign that it's, it's the man of the moment. Uh, they think they have something special and they want to win now. Jerry's concerned about paying CD and, and Micah down the line, and he's going to have to do that. But it, now that's going to come at the expense of somebody besides Zach Martin. Well, I think what we all figured was going to happen from the start is that they were going to give him a little bump and we were going to handle this in the offseason or maybe two offseasons from now is exactly what happened. They gave him $4 million, $4.5 million this year, make it three and a half, and he's minus the fines. And now we'll just, we'll just deal with this later. The thing is they didn't re-sign him. They, or they didn't extend him. They just gave him a little bump the next two years. So they're, they're not committing long-term resources to, uh, to Zach Martin because next offseason when they re-sign Parsons, He's Zach Martin's going to be off the books by the time Parsons' new money hits. Well, I think that's fine. I think that I think Zach's fine with that too. It's like Zach probably realizes he's thirty-two years old. It's not about make. Don't pay me what you know. Don't give me a, a lifetime achievement award. But this year and next year, while I'm I'm better than those two guys, then you know bring my pay up to what it should be for. The present. Exactly. And I, I don't think this whole time, I don't think he's really been seeking that, like, give me another five-year deal right. kind of thing. He's just like, give me what I'm worth. Right. At least, or at least a little closer to what I'm worth, especially when we're not paying CD, we're not paying Parsons, we're not paying, we haven't redone Dak's deal yet. We're, we're not doing these things yet. This is the time to do it. Agreed. Why is it that Jerry yeah. always caves? Good Chuck. Jerry always caves. That's been the recent trend, right? I mean, when's the last time where he... Basically said we're not doing something, and then stuck to his word on it. You, know, Jerry takes a lot of blame when it's not his fault for things. But the one thing that you can pin on Jerry is if for some reason 
they got out of the gate slow and the offensive line was horrible like it was the other night, you can pin that on Jerry because you can say, well, if he paid Zach Martin, <laughs> you know. Well, let's get into that. The preseason game was had it had a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, a little bit of ugly, and I I put the bad as the offensive line. Um, it, they were horrible. I think that's app. I mean, that was how I saw it too, pretty much. They were absolutely horrendous. They run blocked a little bit, but they they couldn't get squat going. And I think with even with that said, the quarterback play was pretty good from Greer and Greer Cooper. played really well. Yeah. I thought so, too. I mean, the completion percentage was good considering the kind of heat that they were under and how beat up both of those guys got during the course of that game as well. So, I don't know. Yeah, that was clearly one of those things where you look at it and go, well, maybe our depth at this spot isn't that good. Or we certainly need the rest of training camp to get ready for the regular season. I didn't see the game because I was at the Hall of Fame, but. I saw the highlights, and to me, what stood out was Deuce Vaughn. That was going to be my um, good. You're getting ahead of me. Pretty now. quick. <laughs> Look good. Deuce, I didn't see enough to, to judge the uh, the whole game. He dropped it. He dropped a deuce right on right on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, deuce Vaughn played extremely well. He had a 26 yard run where he just he juked some guy out of his cleats uh, right early in the. It was late in the third quarter, and then early in the fourth, McCarthy let him run it in. He looked great. The rookies were the best part of that entire game. Demarvion Overshone stood up the running back in the in the uh, in the backfield on a third and one and didn't let didn't let him move. He was a stone brick wall, kind of overshowing everybody that. Uh, I can't, the I, can't I can't stop guys dropping the deuce and <laughs> uh, he was nice man. I know I got to come up with one for Mozzie now. Um, but anyway, and Mozzie played well too. I mean, and even Luke Schoonmacher finally got on the on the field as well. Even though he hasn't really done much in training camp, he was able to get on the field even with that with his foot injury. So, did you what did you see from the rookies, Chuck? Because I know Deuce Vaughn is making his case for the second uh, running back spot. Well, I mean, I thought Rico played pretty well too. I mean, and when he gets an open field, you can see why the Cowboys like him. And obviously, he was hurt all of last year too. So, although he's not a rookie, he was another one of those guys that you look at. You know, and I know he turned it over too, so that obviously didn't work in his favor. But if you look at how these guys move and the way they move differently, you can see why they were ready to move on from Zeke because all these guys move a lot better and a lot quicker than what they were getting last year out of Zeke. So I think that position is probably not in as much in flux as we think it might be. I mean, I think all those guys are going to have some value as we go through the course of the year. Well, give me Tony Pollard and Deuce Vaughn in a, in a two-back in a 21 personnel or something like that, and a two-back, one tight end, two two receivers out there, put Brandon Cooks and CD, and then Schoonmacher or, or Ferguson. I'll take that personnel group all day. Right, and I mean, it's quarterback friendly, right? I mean, wouldn't you like to have those two guys in a short yardage pass situation if you're four? I would. It was also encouraging that Deuce Vaughn was returning punts and kicks as well because we saw Cavante Turpin fumbled the punt return. Uh, early on in that game, so it's a little bit concerning whenever you have a punt returner fumbling something. They said something. last week that Turpin wasn't going to return, that he, he was trying to make the team as a receiver only. That so, shocks me because he's a home run hitter as a returner. I mean, I'm with you on that, but I mean, this is one of those things we saw again during OTAs with him. It's like he made a really nice catch in that game, and you can see why they like him. I mean, he clearly moves differently than a lot of different guys, but he's not very big, and if he's just going to be the one-trick pony that returns kicks, I don't know that there's enough room on the roster for somebody like that, but they are giving him every opportunity to go out there and try to make this team. I just don't know that we've seen it yet. How many receivers do they keep? Six. Oh, yeah, I mean, 
CD, Gallup, Brandon Cooks. Tolbert, Cooks. Speaking, yeah. speaking of Tolbert, he just scored his first touchdown. Okay, so that's your right. first four. Who else? And he looks like he's made a bit of a jump. Turpin, Houston. You know who played yes. really well in the game is actually John Stevens Jr. Right. He had five catches. Fahoko. 56. Yep. I think it was five catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. He played yep. extremely Dennis, well. Dennis had three catches Dennis. for 33 yards, too. He I don't runs know if really good make routes. It. And, yeah, I mean, he's obviously a bubble guy. I think they know what they have in him. And so it's Dak it H- likes him, too. So if nothing else, he's Houston, on the practice it's squad. It's Houston, another year. Turpin, Tolbert uh, for those last two spots. Now, Tolbert's in. It's Houston, Turpin, Fahoko, Stevens for two. Yeah. Right? Stevens' side is, size is it's good. I mean, he that, that touchdown pass that he caught, I mean, he basically was just – he bounced off a DB that was trying to check him, and he ended up getting open. So, yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him to be able to make a, a total assessment on it, but they got some dudes, I think right? Turpin's in. I think he's number five, so not that he's – I think – I mean, I think he has to be because he was a pro yeah. bowler last year as a returner. So, yeah. even if it's just as a returner, like, you have that dynamic person back there. Dak loves Houston, man. Dak likes him a lot. He does. I thought the play calling was interesting. I think I, I think you kind of saw like at the beginning of the game, um, Mike McCarthy needed to kind of take the training wheels off a little bit. He had to, it was kind of like riding a bike for him, and he had to get used to it a little bit again. And then once he got later on in the game, he kind of called it, called it better. Yeah, I think he pretty much right. He admitted that after yeah. the game, and it, it took a little while. To and you could see that on the field. Get going. Uh, and then uh, for the ugly of the game, the uh, good was obviously the rookies. The bad was the offensive line. The ugly was the turnovers. Kevontae Turpin should not be turning the ball over like that. Rico Dowdle had like a 60-yard run and turned it over right on the goal line. Both of those things are not going to help those guys make the team. And the other ugly I had was Brandon Aubrey did not look great as, either. I mean, he I think he made his one field goal, and then he missed an extra point, which is Ugh. not what Cowboys fans want to see. <laughs> they got problems at kicker. I'm telling you, right? They're not going to find the kicker for this season in this camp. No, they're not. We, you and I talked about it last week. Mason Crosby or Robbie Gold has to be on this team. Right? I mean, it just makes sense at this point. I, I mean, you cannot go into the – like, if you're going to go into the season, go into the season with one of those dudes. All Both of them have skins on the wall. And at least you could go, well, we tried. But, yeah, this is getting a little late in the game to be kind of messing around with this. Well, also, every single – like, the Broncos, just for example, had Bill Maher – or Brett Maher and – um this other kid, both of them missed kicks. Fry, he, they both missed kicks. They're probably going to go out and try and sign Mason Crosby or Robbie Gold. You have other teams that are going to be other suitors for these two guys. You have to go get one of them if you're the Cowboys, in my opinion. But that's just me. Overall, I thought the Cowboys this, are going to be in the, in the NFC Championship game with three seconds to go, to, in a tie game to go to you're the. You're going to have Brandon Aubrey. Down one, and they're going to have Brandon Aubrey shank something. Or you have Robbie Gold, who's never missed a playoff kick, miss one. And I'm like, well, why were you signing the old guy before the season started? Overall, great weekend, guys. It was real fun. Fun yeah. times. Fun times. I, I'm shocked. I, I was looking at the uh, rundowns a little earlier. And you, what time did you guys get on your plane? Is that yesterday? What time did you guys fly know, out? Five o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, four forty-five. Five I know. O'clock. I saw that. I saw that you were doing Sports Sunday last night, and I was like, "How the hell did Don get back in time <laughs> to do Sports Sunday?" We on? got back by noon. I had time to take a nap, but what I did was I built the show. It was we had an hour layover in Baltimore, and I was the technology's great, man. It's <laughs> able to great get on into the rundown and build the show in the in the layover in there the you airport. Go. There you go. I took a nap. Zach did the rest. I got to give uh, credit to Zach Hedrick. He Came through big time. As he always does. 
Yes, he does. Yep. All right. Well, that's all we got for you guys. A quick reminder, you can uh, get this podcast wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. The YouTube version will have uh, some elements from all of the Hall of Fame festivities. So I'll uh, make sure to put that together for you guys. Please download, rate, subscribe, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Do all those good things. Give us some feedback. Feedback is a gift. We'll get you. Uh, we'll be back later this week, and we'll see you here on the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. We've got an injury on the sneakers.